Today we get to wrap up our series on shining the light. That doesn't mean the job is done. This is actually the beginning, right, of shining our light going forward in our lives, recognizing God has a call on you to be a witness, to give a testimony, to share the gospel. And over the last four weeks, we've looked at some of the methodology of how you do that, how you prepare to do that. Today, we're going to land that plane with what I think is some encouraging news, but also something really striking and sobering. And that is that your whole life is a witness for Christ. The good, the bad, and the ugly, everything about you is part of how you represent Jesus in this world. So we're going to talk about how to do that well. Okay, now just by way of quick review, in the last few weeks we, we've talked about how to start spiritual conversations, how to share your testimony, what that means, what it means to be a witness, then how to explain the good news, just the basic foundational principles of the gospel when someone's interested. Uh, and then last week we talked about how to invite someone to follow Jesus, how to, how to help them become a Christian. And none of that, for me as a longtime churchgoer, is new information. Uh, for some of you who might be new to all of this, might have been your first time hearing it, but I know a lot of people in the room, you've heard these principles before over the years, but sometimes we have to kind of rehear them to get them back into practice in our lives. They almost take for granted the simple truth that's in front of us that would change the world if we spoke it. So today, we're going to talk about literally what it means to shine your light through your life. There's been a little Easter egg on the screen each week of this series. On the title image, there's been a verse that we actually haven't looked up and read, but it's the verse where this whole series comes together and makes sense. And so I'd like you to turn to that right now. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. This is where Jesus actually talks about shining the light. You can have all the right words to say. You can have all the preparation to answer tough questions people might have or certain key Bible verses memorized like we talked about. You could be ready to share your story and to be a bold witness for Jesus. But this piece has to be there for any of that to work. Your life has to also be a testimony, not just your words. Jesus says this to us. In Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's just talked about living the blessed life based on the priorities of the kingdom. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say you can be the salt of the earth if you'd like to be an evangelist. He says you are the salt of the earth. If you're following Jesus, you already have an identity in being salt and then light. He says, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled as worthless. You are the light of the world. And you might pause and go, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Well, he is. And where does Jesus get represented in the world right now? You and me. The light of Jesus shines through us, through our words and our lives to the world. That's how the light will shine. So as much as we would say the world needs light, that means the world needs you to shine your light. It says, like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. 
Instead, that lamp is placed on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your good deeds, the way you live your life, is where the light shines. The light doesn't shine through your mouth through the verses you can quote or the stories you can tell. Your light shines in your life. And that life authenticates the gospel that comes out of your mouth. That's why there's a big disconnect out in the world sometimes when someone might be a gospel preacher or a church might might say the true things, but then the lifestyle of that person or that church doesn't match and people point at that right away and go, that's hypocrisy. And it is. It's wrong. The life that you live authenticates the gospel that you speak. And there's no way to speak the gospel credibly. There's no way to give light to someone else if you yourself aren't living in the light. So what I thought we could do in honor of what Jesus has told us here, that our good deeds, our lifestyle should be so bright, so different that people should take notice. I thought we could just look at what makes up a person's life and then just discuss how that would shine for Jesus. And at the end of this time, we're going to pray about each of these areas. I know I have six ways we can shine. And I don't expect everybody walks away from something like this and you remember all six. Here's why we're going to go through six things. It's because really, your whole life is your testimony. So every dynamic of who you are, every aspect of who you are, all of it is related to what people encounter when they hear from you. So you walk up to that person, you are the representation of Jesus to them. And for some people, you might be the only Jesus they ever meet. You might be the only person that they know right now who is a Jesus follower. And so your words, your actions, your attitudes, that is their perception of Christianity. That's a scary thought, right? I mentioned there was a kind of a sobering aspect to that. That's it. Knowing that someone could be looking at me and my life and forming their view of who Jesus is and what Jesus is like based on me. Now, we shouldn't run from that. That's our identity, right? If we say we're a Christian, you put that label on yourself, Christian, you're a little Christ. You are his ambassador in this world. You're his follower. So we want people to meet Jesus as they meet us, but that's going to require that we let our light shine very intentionally in the different parts of our lives. So let's walk through these six things, and I offer these to you not to make you feel bad, but instead to motivate you and me to make sure that in every aspect of my life and in your life, people encounter Jesus when they encounter us. All right, are you ready? It's not going to be easy, so you got to get ready. Here we go. Number one, we'll start with the most obvious one, your lifestyle choices. Do I live the way that Jesus would live? So think about the person who meets you, the friend at school, the coworker, the person at the gas station. When they meet you, are they meeting some sort of an approximation of Jesus? Say, wow, Dan, I don't think they are. I think think I'm about as far from what Jesus would look like as I could be. Well, in all humility, we would all say that in some regard, right? But 
when we think about how our life actually plays out, it should be a demonstration of Jesus to that person. That's how they'll come to know Jesus, through us. So when someone observes my life, how I behave, what my patterns are, can they see Jesus in that? The second one is my word choices. Now, I chose my words really carefully on this slide, and I'll explain why. Do I talk or text the way Jesus would talk or text? Now, I actually find it easier to talk the way Jesus would talk, but when it comes to texting and posting and complaining online, it's a little easier to let your guard down and say things you would never say with your mouth, but in text you would say it. Anybody with me on that? Have you noticed that? People are meaner online than they are in person. People are more direct um, in a bad way online. Um, People are more lewd online than they are in person. So we have to look at this and think, when, when someone encounters my words, whether I'm saying them or typing them, are they encountering words that Jesus would say? So in my brain, as one who thinks a little more digital, I look at it this way. My verbal and digital chat history is how people will authenticate my witness. So the chat history is, what does someone remember about you saying when they think about you? So if they only see you in church, maybe they see the very best version of this, right? Their chat history ends on Sunday at 12.10 or something, and, uh, and then it picks back up Sunday at 9 a.m. the next week, and so all they see is you being very Christianish. But what about the people who see you the rest of the week? Their chat history with you, is it filled with grace and joy and purity? Uh, or in that ch- chat history, would they find arguing and anger and curse words and cussing, and would they, would they find all sorts of ugly in that chat history? Now, what's scary today is that, like, literally, we all have an actual chat history on the, on the phones of our friends, right? And they could literally scroll back and see what we said maybe months ago. And, and so you literally have a chat history that becomes a part of your witness, whether that's a good witness or a bad witness for Jesus. So I would challenge you to think about what is in that chat history for you and whether or not if someone encounters that chat history, does that help them see Jesus or do they see hypocrisy? So hypocrisy will handcuff you when it comes to being a witness, right? Because here's what will happen. You'll be in a situation and you'll think, I, I, I should like reach out to this person, I should help them, I, should, I might even be able to share my testimony or tell them about God but then immediately the handcuffs come on because what do you remember? Oh yeah, I was just cursing in front of that person two days ago. Oh, man, I don't know if I can open my mouth now and be a bright light for Jesus when they know, they know how much I complain. They know how angry I got when I flew off the handle and said all those things. Like they saw that, so now I'm handcuffed. I can't speak for Jesus. Don't let those handcuffs stay on. Instead, choose your words carefully. The more you want to represent Jesus, the more you recognize your words are being interpreted as Jesus' words. So for me, one of, the, one of my aspirational goals, um, which is just that, it's aspirational, it's what I hope will be the case for me, what I'm aiming for, is that the interactions that I have with all of you and with everyone else 
uh, that you could either record it or read it or whatever, and what you would find, would, you would never find any evidence against my testimony. That you would always find encouragement, purity, joy. doesn't mean you paint everything with rose-colored glasses. There might be tough stuff we talk about, but I still want to do that the way Jesus would do it. So you might say, man, my chat history is already filled with all sorts of terrible things, all sorts of complaining, all sorts of curse words. Well, the great news about Jesus is that he does forgive and cleanse and give fresh starts. So take the off-ramp and say, from here forward, I want my words to be the kind of words that Jesus would say. Colossians 4, 6 says, your conversation should be seasoned with salt, should be full of grace, so that everyone who hears understands the right direction. The third one, this isn't going to get any easier, by the way, the third one is reaction choices. So when I want to be a light for Jesus in the community, some of what people are watching, it's not just, hey, are you a member of a church? What do you believe about God? Like, they might be curious, I don't know, but the thing that, they're, that will actually get attention is if you react differently to frustration and stress than everybody else would. So it's not uncommon to see people fly off the handle in anger um, or throw out an oh my God or curse or whatever. You could, you could see that all day long, right? Every television show, every interaction, it's all, all over the place. But what about the person who never does any of that? That person sticks out. That person, something's different about that person because they actually honor God. They care about what's true. They love the truth even, that provides a platform for our bright light to shine, for our witness. Okay, my reactions are the best evidence of my commitment to a Jesus-type life. Philippians 2 says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you might become blameless and pure children of God who shine out like stars in the universe. I think that's an amazing verse. Your lack of complaining and argument, of arguing is actually something that shines out because everybody else is complaining and arguing almost all the time. And when you don't do that, when you live for something else, that is a testimony. So your reaction choices. So you'd say, Lord, I, wh however you would react, that's how I want to react. Priority choices is another one. The way I organize my life validates my witness. So you think of it this way. If you're about to share the gospel with someone and you're about to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is number one, this is eternity. But then in your life, you hardly ever think about any of that and your priorities are all arranged putting the world first and Jesus last, that's not going to work. Like if someone knows you, they know your priorities. So what you want is you want alignment between the message of the gospel that says Jesus is Lord and your life actually living with Jesus as the Lord. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6.46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? It doesn't really compute. So we want that to line up and have the priorities that Jesus would have. The goal is that when people meet us, they meet a representative of Jesus. So we just, so it's not, this isn't really rocket science, right? This is just looking at every aspect of life and saying, okay, I want to line my life up with that aim. Two more. One is attitude choices. Is my attitude like Jesus' attitude? The humility, joy, contentment, choosing to see the bigger picture are all attitude choices that confirm my testimony. 
When I would stand before you and say, like in my personal testimony, when I was 11 years old, I saw the truth about who God was and I became a Christian. And since that time, I've been following Jesus. That's the, that's the spoken word testimony. The question is now, does my life line up? Do my attitudes line up? And so then you would think about things like humility or gratefulness or peace or joy. Say those things need to line up so that when I say my testimony, people are nodding along going, yeah, yeah, I can see God has changed your life and your heart. But if they see me and they see no change at all, or maybe I'm even worse off than they are, my testimony isn't worth very much. And our life is where the light shines. And then the words we say are how a person understands what's happening from there. Here's the last one, probably the most powerful. Our love choices. Okay, do I love people the way that Jesus loved people? Love is the brightest testimony you can offer to God's truth. When our world is starving for love, right? people are out there yearning for identity, for clarity, for love, for acceptance. You have the opportunity to go and demonstrate Jesus' love to people around you. It, you. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to do that. You don't have to know a whole lot even about the Bible to do that. You just say, I want to start treating the people around me the way Jesus would treat them. And that first step takes you on the road to becoming a powerful witness. It's kind of like the slogan we have out in the hallway and we celebrate as a church, to love one more, right? It's just this, it's this daily aim that we have to say, you know, I can't fix all the world's problems today, but what can I do today? I can love one more person in Jesus' name. I can treat one more person the way that God has treated me. And if, if we walk through our lives loving proactively like that, guess what will happen? You will have opportunities to share your faith because you'll have a credible witness in people's lives and they will want to hear more. They will want to know what's happening in your heart. Your love is your best witness. So there's so much more to say about all these things. Um, but let me sum it up this way, and then we're just going to pray. And we'll ask the Holy Spirit to say what remains unsaid. You are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. So I'd like you for just a moment to close your eyes. We're just going to go into a time of prayer, and I'll just kind of guide that prayer time up here. But when I pause, that's your cue to just pray on your own. Now, sometimes we do this and we all pray out loud or something, but not today. Today, it's silent prayer in your heart, you and God, making this personal. Because this is really personal. This is you following Jesus and you showing Jesus to the people around you. So, Lord God, we come to you now as your witnesses. Some of us have been very intentional about that witness. Others have been a poor testimony. Some are just deciding today to take this seriously. Lord, we're all in different places, but from here we do want to be accurate representatives of your light so that you, the light of the world, can shine through us that we can light up our world. And Lord, if there is someone that we're currently seeing or meeting or passing by, 
and we are the only Jesus that they have in view. I pray that you would make us aware of that. Lord, fill us with joy at that opportunity. That's not a duty, that's not a drudgery, that's a joy that you allow us to represent what is right and good and purposeful in this world. So, Lord, we want to walk through these areas and just commit these things to you and ask you to speak to our souls. Uh, So first, Jesus, let's talk about my lifestyle. So in silent prayer, I would invite you just to ask Jesus if there are choices you're making or behaviors you're maintaining that need to change so that you can better represent his light to the world. Now, Jesus, let's talk about my words. Are there words that you've been using that you need to stop using in Jesus' name? As one who no longer represents your own opinion or your own frustration, but now you represent the King of Kings, Is there something that you should do differently in the way that you talk or text or communicate? Lord Jesus, please help us in every interaction, every conversation to say the kinds of things that you would say to be the light that our friends and neighbors need. Jesus, let's talk about my reactions. When I'm frustrated, when I'm stressed out, when I'm sick, when I'm sad, when I don't get my way, I want to react the way that you would react. So Lord, what does that look like for me? Jesus, let's talk about my priorities. Am I putting you first in my heart? Jesus, let's talk about my attitudes. Lord, would you fill me with humility and grace with the right perspective to face whatever happens in my life, to maintain an attitude that adds value and brings joy to other people. And Lord, I want to share in the attitude that you had. And finally, Jesus, let's talk about my love. Is there someone that you're calling me 
to love. Is there something selfish you want me to give up so that I can better love? And Lord, for all of us, we pray that you would give us opportunities to demonstrate love to the people around us, to set ourselves aside, our own schedules or agendas, and instead think of the hearts and lives of other people the way that you did, the way that you do. Lord, we want to imitate you and live lives filled with love. So Lord, as a whole church family here, we know that you've given us a mission to be a part of. You've given us light in our own souls. And you've called us to share it. You've called us to testify. You've called us to demonstrate and illustrate your power and presence in this world. So Lord, would you help us to honor you, imitate you, follow you as your disciples. That's what we're about. And Lord, I pray for opportunities for every one of my brothers and sisters in this room right now that, Lord, our, on the basis of our lives shining brightly, you would give us opportunities to speak your truth, your gospel, to share our testimonies, to be bold and kind, truthful and loving to this world around us, we look forward to you using us in your kingdom's plan to advance your work here and anywhere you take us in this world. We want to be faithful to that task. Thank you for entrusting it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.